you've been looking for a podcast to help you transform your physical and mental one that'll shoot you straight between the eyes with truth and no bs helping you have the right mindset to accomplish things the iron will and fortitude to follow through with what you say you're going to do no excuses Mark owns martial arts schools, and after 30 years, he has some real insight for real talk, real life, real conversations, motivational, fitness, self-defense, weight loss, live from the Great 1-8. This is Real Talk with Mark Cox. And there we go. That's our little, in, you know, prelude to what's what's coming. So I'm going to adjust my color here just a little bit while we're on. So good morning, Melissa. How are you this morning? You good? good morning. I feel good. I am blessed. Thank you so much. <laughs> I'm going to have a fun time with uh, with this interview today. We've had some power women come on my show these these uh, last few times for sure. It's been uh, it's it's been quite a, a journey on seeing how uh these young women are i had abigail on you know i think last week she's the one that's helping me do some writing and oh. uh i got to i got to do some chatting with her she's the one helped me with my belt uh my book and uh you know she's awesome too you know we just happen to have a really good connection and uh i you know i found out that if you listen to our podcast together she was uh she was an officer in the jail, right? She was a, that's why we have this law enforcement connection. I just had, I just had a good connection with her. So it was awesome. So it's oh, been great. Uh, yeah, it's been great. I got, you know, so people don't know, this is Melissa Morales. I'm going to let her introduce herself just a little bit here in a second, but we got to do some chatting yesterday on the phone. Uh, and I apologize. I was at a jujitsu tournament and I was coaching and in between the rounds, I was able to get on the phone with you real quick before, uh, we went live today, and so I'm looking forward to uh, great chat yesterday. Good mom, and so I'm looking forward to uh, to what this is going to bring. So, with that being said, Melissa, so why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, where you're from, and then we'll get started. All right. Yes. Well, thank you so much for having me, and even a bigger thank you for picking up my phone call. <laughs> I was in between of cooking dinner and making sure my son wasn't climbing on the ceiling. And I was like, I hope he answers. So thank you so incredibly much. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. It's a, uh, yeah, it was great. So, so it's great. So tell, tell everybody where you're from and, and how old your son is. Yes. So I am from New Jersey um, South Jersey, to be exact, right outside of Philadelphia, no more than 15 minutes. And my son is two years old, just celebrated his birthday in April. So you're in the twos. You know, it's uh, it's something I, I, I speak as you know, as you know, I was uh, I have four children of my own and I raised one um, another that we, that we brought in when he was 12. And so, you know, I've raised a total of five kids. And, and their stages, the two-year-old stages, and uh, they're all different. So I have three boys and a girl uh, that that I raised. Actually, four boys and a girl. But uh, when my girl was two years old, I, I miss those times. Everybody said those were terrible twos. Uh, but uh, 
I had a good time with uh, every every season of the kids is something good, right? You celebrate when yeah. they get out of diapers, you celebrate when they're off bottles, and then you you miss the times where they lay on your chest and uh, or we watch TV. And my oldest son, uh, I'll date this, but you know they all have their own uh, stuff that they used to like to watch on TV. And his was Charlotte's Web. I don't, I must have watched Charlotte's Web ten million times when he was a kid that's how he went to, that's how he went to bed and so it was just kind of fun so tell me how do you like uh let's talk about motherhood was it a surprise and uh and what's it like and how's that changed your life yes so i'll start from the very beginning it was a surprise it was definitely a surprise I'll never forget in July of 2019, I had asked God for something bigger than me. I was just ready for more. I was in my 30s, living on my own, traveling, just doing my thing and had a good job. At this point, I was working in a law firm. So my life was smooth sailing, but I knew in my heart I wanted and needed more. I didn't know what that was. So as I'm journaling, I'm just saying, hey, God, it's me. You know, what do you want for my next chapter going into 32? I was turning 32 within a few weeks um, from writing that journal entry. And I wasn't too specific for a baby. I said, God, if you want me to stop dating and, you know, just wait on a husband. Okay. If you want me to save up for a house, I'll get out the apartment. Okay. Do I switch? Um, careers and go back into media because I have previous experience in media. Whatever you want me to do, I am ready and open if you just want me to travel. But again, I never asked for a baby. <laughs> but God blessed me with a baby in August of 2019. I found out I was pregnant. Blew me by surprise because I was not together with his father. We were just dating, casually dating. We were not in a relationship. So when I found out I was pregnant, I told him that it's okay for us not to be together because we're not together. And he said, no, we're going to be a family. I want a family. And I you know, went to right by you. And I said, okay, not a problem. I did a lot of partying in my 20s. So I really felt like this was God telling me, it's time for you to slow down. It's time for you to relax. and. I was ready for that because I was done being selfish. Now, within that, I slept a lot. <laughs> of course, <laughs> for the first three months, I slept. I got, <laughs> it's so funny because I got nothing else going on but sleeping. So I didn't get uh, morning sickness. I didn't get headaches. I wasn't overeating. I was just sleeping and I was healthy and I was, I was good. In November, of 2019, right before Thanksgiving, I found out that I needed a cerclage. So I went to anatomy scan and my cervix was opening up. So mm. my cervix was already dilating two centimeters at 19 weeks, going on 20 weeks. And they tell me, you need a cerclage. I'm like, what is a cerclage? And what does this mean? I'm healthy. There's nothing wrong with me. And she said, the nurse says, okay, I'm going to take you into your doctor and he's going to tell you everything. So, so, okay. And the first thing he said was, has your back been hurting? 
I said, yes, but I just thought that was a normal pregnancy. You know, your feet swell, your back hurts, you're a little achy. And he says, no, that's the baby pushing down. Mm. And I said, wow, okay, what does this mean? And he says, I want you to go to the emergency room tonight to get what is called surclage, which is the cervix, is a stitching of my cervix. I had to get done. So I got that mm-hmm. done at 20 weeks and stayed in the hospital for um, for about two and a half weeks. We're now in December. December 4th, I got out of the hospital and my doctor comes in and says, for the rest of your pregnancy, you are on bed rest. <laughs> <laughs> so that's just that's just the uh, ironic side of life. You know what I mean? Yes. So I said, okay, God, um, I asked for something bigger than me. This is not what I had in mind. And I was on bed rest. I was on strict bed rest from 20 weeks up to I gave birth. So I went to doctor. I went to my doctor every single week to get my cervix checked to make sure it um, it wasn't dilating or open it up and the cervix, uh, my stitch was still holding my cervix together. I had to take a pill, which is called progesterone. I had to take that every single night until I gave birth. And then March comes and things get more exciting. I find myself talking to God again. At this point, I'm thinking God is over me. He's like, your prayer requests are getting a little bit too much now, <laughs> but <laughs> March comes and the pandemic hit. We're in March of 2020. I'm not due to give birth until April 21st of 2020. Mm. The pandemic hit. Yeah. And my, I'm just in a ball of emotions. I didn't know what to feel, how to feel, because all I knew is what, from what I saw and what I heard. So you're supposed to be happy. You're, you're, you're carrying in life and it's supposed to be so much joy. And I really was, but because there was so much going on, I didn't know how to process it. This is the first time I've really been knocked down to my core. And I couldn't figure out why my son's fight had to be so tough from so early on. And yeah, I just, tough questions. Yes. So um, now we get into the end of March and I go for my last cervix check before they can't check my cervix anymore. And <laughs> the doctor calls me. I'm at Target. We're grabbing baby stuff. And the doctor calls me and says, you have to get induced on Monday. This is a Friday. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, is everything okay? They said, well, it looks like your placenta is drying out and it's been drying out for a few weeks. That's why your son is not gaining no more than five pounds. Ah, oh boy. (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah, so it's a lot. It was a lot in a short amount of time. And within that, I got induced at 30, right at 37 weeks and um, it was March 30th and I was induced for two days, just waiting for this baby to come out and he wasn't coming out. And they said, okay, well, we can't give you any more medicine. We're going to have to break your water. And I just kept 
praying. I said, God, okay, I know I'm annoying, but it's me. I do not want to march a baby. Like, if you can give me anything, don't give me a March baby because March is so dull. I'm just looking forward to a April baby. <laughs> <laughs> and sure enough, this little bundle of joy came out crying, kicking, still hasn't stopped crying or kicking <laughs> on April 1st at 12.56 a.m. April 1st. April 1st. <laughs> I'm a March baby. Oh, I'm so sorry. March, I'm a March 29th baby. But it's totally oh, we can't <laughs> <laughs> That's, I I had never heard it been like that where it's like it's so dull. I don't want him in March. I was like, huh. That's oh. new. That's a new uh <laughs> that's new. <laughs> ah, that's funny. So so tell me tell me one thing about tell me what it was like to have a baby in the pandemic. What was that like? In the hospital. It was scary. It was scary. Um, because at first they wouldn't allow my son's father to come in the room and they said no. And then the restrictions had like the hospitals had like lessened the restrictions here in New Jersey a little bit. And he said, okay, well, only one family member can come in. So I had no family there other than him, which is all I really needed. And we couldn't leave the, he couldn't leave the room. He stayed in the room for the two and a half days. Oh. Didn't leave. The nurses had to come and bring anything that he wanted, something to drink, something to eat. Um, we had to wear a mask. I mean, we still wear a mask now, but we had to wear a mask like from the moment of going into the room to leaving the hospital, which was a few days later. But yeah, it was scary. I hadn't got to talk to anybody that went through a pregnancy, you know, in the hospital. Cause I know that they just shut it down. Isn't it funny back in, I remember when, um, my bro was no, my sister being born, right. They didn't ever even allowed you in the room back in those days. You weren't even allowed. Dads oh couldn't even come in. Can you, can you imagine that? Right. So <laughs> I, I was in, uh, in the city called Panorama city here in California. And I remember my dad and I, looking through the window on the one floor to see the baby in my because they wouldn't let they wouldn't let any dads in to even deliver back in the day that was a oh, wow. you know and it can that's just that's in yeah, that's in uh in our lifetime that that was it was it, you know, it's quite a few it's already um you know going through uh birth is already uh, you know so stressful as it is and then as uh but you know, then you have a, a difficult pregnancy and you're pretty young at this time. And so let's, uh, let's talk about, you know, you, you have this baby and then you got to, you're in the pandemic. And so, and you're kind of right in the height of it, right? Cause we were kind of like not really yes. understanding what, what it was all about. Right. I, I remember that totally going, you know, trying to make these decisions and, and everybody, uh, you know, worried about catching it or whatever, whatever else. It's so funny back then. I didn't know anybody that had COVID. Now I don't know anybody that didn't, hasn't caught it. And been that over didn't it have it. Right. Absolutely. So it's uh, <laughs> it's such a, you know, a, a turn of events in two years time, but let's talk about what it was the life changing part. And, and you have this, you did say one thing I want to ask about. You said you had some background in radio. Let's talk about what that is. What would you do back in the day? 
Yes. So I've done professional radio um, from 18 years old to about 27, 28. So I did it professionally for 10 years. I spoke on FM radio, AM podcast, internet radio, and in pretty much all forms from traffic. I did traffic news. I did media and gossip. I did talk shows. I've, I've, I've been a co-host. I've hosted some of my own shows. So, so I have a little lengthy. <laughs> did you go, did you go through school for that? Or is that just something you stumbled onto? Did you go to after high school? Did you go to school to do that? So I did. I went to college and I um, took up broadcast communications, but I didn't finish school because I was realizing everybody at the time that was on radio back in 2007, 2006, nobody had a degree in radio. They just got in from knowing people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so it, how can I get an Like you're only a freshman, you can't get an internship. And I'm like, I can get an internship. Where can I go? So I started Googling as <laughs> many internships. And I landed one with MTV and I landed another with Radio One here in Philadelphia. So that's how you got your foot in the door. Yeah. What was it like working for the radio stations? How is that? How'd you like it? Oh, amazing. A lot of politics. I wanted to get out because of the as much politics as it was. Um, being in it, but it was so much fun. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed connecting with people, meeting people where they are, um, being a voice for them, and giving people. I have a so good. A little bit spotty here this morning. Are you back with me? Yeah. So we're still here on uh you there? You back with me, Melissa? Uh, yeah. I know we got some dead air time, but while I'm trying to get her back, we'll what we're talking about is Melissa out of New Jersey. She's going to be. Uh, we we're just t talking with her. Uh, her story is pretty awesome as far as what what she went through as a mom. There she is. Now she's back. Yeah. There you go. Now we got you. <laughs> yes, so, I'm sorry. Yeah, the weather here is. Yeah, you told me the weather kind of sucks. You know, that's what happens with technology. <laughs> it's awesome and it sucks all at the same time. Um, yes. As the um, so I wanted to, you. You were talking about you know kind of meeting people where you are. I read something on there about you had kind of a show about kind of like real talk. It's it's, it's almost similar to what I do. It's kind of raw you were saying that you wanted to give voice to people that uh that that needed it and it's did so does that mean you had your own show or were you in segments and part of another show how did that look yes so for me early on i was a co-host on a show and i did nights 
and I did overnights for a lot for a few years. I would say about five years. I did overnights, and then I got my own show during the day, mm. and that only lasted about two to three years because they wanted a bigger name. And then I went back to overnights and doing nights on radio. Yeah, that's that's uh, it's interesting to me. Uh, so you 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 liked being uh, on the mic is what you did. Is that correct? Did you do any yes. other shows? Have you ever had any podcast of your own or have you, did you look in that direction? And are you still in that world right now? Yes. So when I got out of radio and I, to me, I was like, I'm going to go live a regular life. And I got into law. I don't know what made me get into law, but I got into law. And as a creative, I said, I want to get back into radio or into the podcast world but I don't want to do it on a media side of music and gossip. I want to do it from a space of meeting people where they are at, where they feel safe enough to speak to me and to open up and to know that they're going to be seen, heard and valued by someone else. And they're not alone. Yeah. That, which is perfect. You, you mentioned that same thing to me yesterday and which makes your story even, even, uh, more intriguing. So I wanted to get a little background of, of, um, where you're at once you talked about radio. And so that when we go into what we're going to talk about, which is what's called the winning season is that's, that's kind of, uh, your, your thing that you have and you've got shirts out with it and everything else now. So let's talk about what that looks like and what's happened. What, what, what changed in your life to have this winning season? So I, cause I, I believe that we have a lot of people out here that's going to enjoy this, this story. Yes, absolutely. So in the, while I was pregnant during my pregnancy, um, I wanted to figure out what do I do to get to reach people? Something came to me called unplug the script. It was really loud. Just came up to me. And I said, that's going to be my podcast. My podcast is going to be unplug the script. I want people to unplug. I want people to have real conversations and know that there are real experiences going on. I did not know that I would then be encountering my own unplugged segment of my life. And I didn't know I would then be using that um, to step into my winning season. So right mm -hmm. after I had my son, the pandemic is full blown out, you know, I don't leave the house, especially with a newborn. I don't go anywhere. The relationship with me and my son's father, just, we couldn't get along to get along. That is the best way to say it. We tried mm -hmm. so many times to just get along, but we couldn't. And it was no rhyme or reason to either one of our thoughts now looking back it was just we one we didn't know each other we're building a relationship as we're becoming new parents and two he is focused on the money aspect in the household aspect where i needed both i needed him to pay attention to me as i'm taking care of a newborn so for months dead on end um it, it went on for about the first year of my son's life we just we couldn't get along whatsoever and that was okay now at this point i got to my son was about seven or eight months and it was our last argument of saying okay like to me i was like i don't even think you like me anymore i don't think you like me and we got into an argument and i'm 
create um rocking my son back to sleep it was about 10 or 11 p.m the rain was so loud it actually felt like rain was inside of our household mm. but that was just the shower that was on but it was so heavy like that's how heavy the environment was and i'm mm. sitting there i'm rocking my son to sleep and i'm crying and i'm pouring out my heart to my son and i said you would never see me like this again because I will never be this broke or broken. And I looked at him and I said, I'm going to win and I'm going to win for you. But importantly for me, because in order for you to, um, in order for you to get the best of me, I got to give the best of me. I spent the last year and a half unfulfilled emotionally because nobody around me was seeing me hearing me the way i needed them to but i also wasn't doing that for myself and we, we you lose that as a new mom you lose your identity and it's not talked about enough you lose your identity because you're this little person's world they rely on you i i pumped for nine months straight so i pumped every two hours for nine months mm. So there was no time for me. And the little bit of time that I did have for me, I thought I was pouring into myself, but it really wasn't deliberate and intentional. And I told him, I told my son, who again is about eight months, I said, when your first birthday comes, I'm going to have a winning season. And I realized the season, we have a season of life. That's all we have. We're only here for a season of our life. We don't know how long that is. And winning, when you think about winning, you think about athletes who are really good. You think about teams who are really good. They're intentional about winning. So I put those two together and said, I'm going to live an intentional life. I'm going to have a winning season life from here on out after he turned one, which was April 1st, 2021. I think that, yeah, so I think that's really important. My even my instructor, we talk about winning as it is, right? Winning is a season and winning on purpose, okay? Uh, matter of fact, I was just telling students yesterday this same type of mentality of um, don't play not to lose. You got to play yeah. to win and win on purpose. You yeah. Because yeah, that's what I saw even yesterday on the mat. You know, somebody gets ahead a little bit on points. And then they get conservative and they don't go for it anymore. So they're not winning on purpose anymore. They're just, they're just there to, um, you know, not lose. And that's just not a way to do life. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So, yeah. So I think that that is, um, I think that's the, that's great. Well, those are, those are some things that you have to start thinking as you're right about this. They're, they're, um, are you a single parent at this time? Yes. For the most part. Part, yes. Right. So for the most part, it was so it's just you. And, and you know, I, I, I told that you and I, we, we chew the same dirt on that. I, you know, I was uh, um, I was a single dad. Also, I was a single dad that raised the kids. You know what I mean? They were with me like more full time. Um, a unique situation for a dad. But, I, you know, I'll tell you this. It yeah, just like it forced you to kind of have a different outlook on because somebody else is relying on you. Um, mm -hmm. the single dad thing is what made me such a good dad. Not that it, not that things weren't difficult because you have a yeah. son, right. And how I raised my sons, my daughter is the one that kind of softened me, 
But then again, she's a pretty tough chick because she was raised with brothers and, and a dad. Right. You know what I mean? And, but yeah. she's, you know, she's a pretty tough uh, uh, girl as far as that goes. So I, I can understand that mindset of, you know, not having time to yourself. There is no time to yourself, man. I, I know I'm going to give you, let me give you a hint. When they're adults, there's still no time to yourself uh, because then you worry about other things and things just get more expensive. So, uh, yes. you, know, we're, you know, when they say that parenting is lifelong, it is definitely lifelong. And, but on the same token, I wouldn't change anything in, in that. Um, oh, that's beautiful. In the relationship I had or being a dad, it just made me become a, a much uh, better father because mm. just like you, we don't have a choice. We're going to have right. to, you know, we can, we can fold up and we, we can fold up and, and, and feel sorry for ourselves, or we can uh, get up and get to work. Uh, and, and, and so I, 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 I sympathize and I applaud all at the same time with what you're doing. Oh, I, I, you. I've been Likewise. So, so let's, so the winning season comes along and this is what you've decided. So, you decided to go on, um, in, in, and have this, and now you have this mindset and you've got, you know, you got merch that has the same saying on it. And it's like, it's like anything else, right? There's no, no dream comes something until you write it down. And then now you're printing shirts with it. So, uh, so it stares at you every single day. And when the days get weak, and you see the shirt. Matter of fact, I think you're wearing one of those shirts today. I, 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 I am. Right. Yeah. I see when you yes. see, see, that's great. And um, so, so do you, do you discuss that? Do you have a podcast now that is, is even sharing this more? Are you, do you cater to, um, uh, do you, do you like to empower women or do you, is it uh, across the board for everyone or how does that work for you in your, in what your message as you're trying to do? Yes. So initially when I created it, I created it for me because I needed a pep talk to myself and I needed to always have a full cup. I didn't want to have half cups. I didn't want to have an empty cup because at the end of the day, who's going to pour into me when I have nothing left to give. And I have a brand, I have, I have a two-year-old who is from sun up to sundown, wants to climb on clouds. So I need to have a full cup. But as I was creating this, I honestly thought that I would go and start speaking in to women and empowering women and young girls for self-love and for self-confidence because that's where a lot of winning happens. Winning happens within yourself. When you have the self-love, the self-confidence, the self-discipline, that's when you really start to win and everything else, the accolades that comes with life, they're just going to come so natural to you. It's going to, it's going to feel like it all happened. All so I'm putting this out on social media. The majority of people were young girls and men mm. saying, I don't have enough of me to give to anyone else. And I said, wow, men are actually talking about this now and what do i say because i am a woman going through this and i feel this way and i just realized i had to bring my message to everybody from from uh young kids to adults men and women 
that yes, no matter what, you deserve a full cup. You deserve to have a winning season life. You deserve to pour into you mentally, physically, spiritually, and emotionally because it's no longer from a selfish state. We can no longer say, oh, I'm going to do it for me. I'm going to do it for me. No, you do it for you because you have to. You need to. Mm -hmm. So everybody else around you can get the best of you as well. So I... Let me ask you this question before before yes. you get your next thought. So when you say that you had men talking to you, because this is interesting to me, because first of all, men don't talk. They yes. barely talk to each other, let alone, <laughs> uh, uh, let alone a, a female. Now, yeah. uh, I can tell you this just for a fact. I just know. I just know how guys think. And, and you know, I was not, I, I definitely didn't talk to people. I can tell you that. I just kind of rolled up my sleeves and went to work and, and I want I want to hear from you on, on this, on this particular thing, just because you brought up men, because I speak about this quite often because I, I do have a heart for men because, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it, let me just give you this perfect example of how how little men in the society think that that men are thought of as important. We talk about this all the time that when it comes to Mother's Day, it's probably it's close to Christmas is the most celebrated day. Father's Day it's hardly celebrated at all. As a matter of fact, even at church, when I went to church on Father's Day, I'll never forget this. This is almost every year too. The first thing out of the out of the preacher's mouth will be, I know a lot of you have an estranged relationship with your father. Now, it's not said that about your mom. It's only said about dads, right? It's only said about mm -hmm. men, right? And I'm just like, you know, once again, it's just like you, you just pounding the men down. You know what I mean? This is why they don't talk. They're kind of like whip puppy dogs. We just kind of go in the shell, listen to it and carry on and go. And so for you to hear that um, men have men have reached out to you, that very much intrigues me because that is so against the norm. And um, so tell me how you talk to a man. What do you say to him? I, I just talk to him regularly. Um, I have two older brothers. I have two older brothers and I have a younger brother. So I'm very sensitive to men um, for the simple fact that a lot of men don't believe they are seen, heard, and valued. They don't believe they are, they, they are important in their household other than being a provider. So for me, I try to just tell them, no, you are more than that. You, you know, you are what you honestly think you are. And two, you're more than that because God told you so. Like, I'm really, I'm very spiritual. So I try to always come to them. I come to them in a sense of calmness, a sense of softness, because a lot of men who have been coming to me and venting and opening up, which I absolutely adore, a lot of them have tough relationships either with their significant other right now or with their mother. And that says a lot. Interesting. That's a, uh, to me, that's really interesting too, that, 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 that has been, uh, been brought up that they haven't uh, really, you know, and there's significant others. I can tell you from, I can just tell you this from most men and I'm kind of a type A type of man, right? I'm, I'm, I'm that mm -hmm. alpha. I'm definitely not a beta. I can tell you that. And, uh, uh, and so I'm just from, from our standpoint, when I, when I hear it's very hard, men can, men will do anything when they feel appreciated and respected. I can just tell you that two things. Mm. 
if you appreciate what they do and you mm-hmm. respect them, I, I'm telling you, they'll take a bullet for you. But they are so underappreciated in this kind of society, you know, that yeah. it's almost like uh, our role has been, uh, you know, and then you got to raise men. I, I do anyway. I have to raise men in this environment, and I have to, and I have to tell my my boys, this is how you're going to be strong in this environment because basically you're nothing but uh, a piece of dirt, and you know, and it's you know, it's always you know, you go girl or or the when it's it, yes. you, know, you don't you don't hear none of that anymore, and and so it is super. And this this little portion that you talked about that you got men reaching out to you, and. uh and you can make them feel have have some kind of value. I am telling you that it it can be a game changer um, for yeah. for that for sure. You know what I mean? Even even those that are listening now that have, I, I can just tell you from a man's point of view, I can just tell you what it. You know, they always think it's a it's it's the sex and it's all that. And it, it is just not. It is. Uh, a man likes to feel appreciated and they'd like to feel respected. And if they have those two things, I am telling you, yes, he will kill everybody in a room for you. Okay. If Absolutely. That's, if that's how it is. Absolutely. So. And it's the men that are speaking to me, you know, they're coming from a place of like, I want to work out five days a week, but I can only do 30 30 minutes to, you know, 10 minutes. Like they can't do much. Um, I want to read a book, but I can't do much because somebody is always needing me. And I tell them, well, you're no good for their needs. If you're not good to your own, mm-hmm. how can you show up as the, the spouse, the, the partner and to any capacity, the good worker, a father, if you're not good to yourself, and we have to come and recognize that men hold the same amount of value just as a mother, just as a person in this world. That they're, It's okay to appreciate them, like you said. It's okay to do for them so they know that they're not alone. Because the world's tough. You know, as a man, you go out there, it's tough. I don't know personally, but I do have a father and I have brothers. And now I'm raising... Uh, I'm raising up a son who is just not my son. He's going to be somebody's husband. He may be somebody's father. He's going to be somebody's worker or boss. You know, he's going to be something else other than my son. So right. I, when I talk to these men, I try to deliver it from the aspect of how I pour into my son. Yeah, that's awesome. Just an, that's just an awesome message. And you know, I'll be a champion of you for that. You know what I mean? Because it's, oh, it's a breath of fresh air to hear. I, I'm just telling you, um, I, I speak extensively on this because I was a single dad. And if you, if you hear divorce, usually dads are the deadbeat dads, right? Or the weekend mm-hmm. fathers and the weekend, whatever. And I mean, I, you can put that to bed because that was not me. You know what I mean? I was in it to win it all, all through. I'm the one that they threw up on. I'm the one that cleaned up after them. I took them to school. I did it all. So, you know, and my influence of men close to me in my age that have done that same thing, we've all had that same thing. So I, I, I champion that 
that you do yeah. that. And I applaud you for, you know, giving men some kind of, uh, uh, something else besides, uh, you know, grief. And so that's, <laughs> that's, that's just a, that's a positive. That's to me for sure. Well, let's talk about, so ha- let's talk about the, the, the females then. So do you have young moms that come to you that, 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 uh, that has resonated this same story? Because, Here's what I can tell you this, okay? Even though I champion for the for the women, I have been doing martial arts and 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 teaching for a very long time, right? For over 35 years I've been I've had a business doing this, right? Mm-hmm. And we get all kinds of people that come in here, right? So their their kids are either they need a little more discipline or they need to have a lot of confidence. They don't have confidence in themselves and you know, um even young teenagers I I that I just had you know, young teenagers, 15 to to 18 and me sitting, just chit chatting with them and talking and saying, Hey, you know, tell me what it's like to be in school. How is that for you? And, um, and just to listen to them, like, you know what, Mr. Cox, we just don't have a voice. If we are not being taught, we are being in, in a grown up word indoctrinated, right? This is what you need to think, what you need to do. And so they don't even have a voice now. So imagine that uh, a young female or male where you don't really have a voice and you're really not, you know, you're being told what to think and how to think and and what to do, which is, is, is pretty uh, intense as it is. And in my world, I watch, I I champion single dads anyway, but I'm going to tell you something. Single moms have the hardest time ever. I have watched it for years. I've never had as hard being a single dad as I have watched almost every one of my single moms, especially when you got some males, right? You got some, you got some boys that you're raising and the, I, I don't care what anybody says, you know, you were, we're built a little bit different and I see them just get, as their kids get a little bit older, how they just kind of run over their mom. And their moms are very frustrated because they're nurturing and they, uh, this is their nature mm-hmm. and they don't have that strong, um, you know, like myself, even my own children, right. When they were young and they give their mom a little bit of, uh, attitude and stuff like that when they were with her, you know, they wouldn't think twice about doing that to me. You know what I mean? <laughs> There's just no way. Right. And I remember them coming home. I said, you open your mouth up like that to me, it's going to be a whole different ball game. I'm going to tell you for a fact. And you just don't have that balance. Right. And, and mm-hmm. so, uh, you know, I feel for them all the time. You know, I I've hugged very many single moms in tears and I don't know what to do. And they bring them to the studio and, uh, to try and have that, uh, influence over them. And so I applaud as a single mom, what you do. I'd like to know how you, what you do to the do these young these young women that are coming to you or 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 your age women that are struggling with the same thing with a single mom thing how does that go about how do you help them have that winning season you talk about yes and i i mean you are incredible you are truly incredible i just say i have to give you your flowers now i am a person you cannot wait you give the person their flowers now so i'm giving you your flowers now mark mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I appreciate you that. deserve it. You mm-hmm. truly, truly deserve it. For for the women that come to me, because um, I'm 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 in it, right? I'm not. My son's not 
18. He's not in his 30s. I am 35 and I have a two-year-old. So I am in it. And I just say, I tell them that you are too special not to win. Whatever winning feels like and looks like for you. And a lot of times women are like, well, I want the big house and I want the family. But besides all that, right? Because you can get that on your own. You don't need to be with someone to get that. Correct. You need to fill yourself up. What do you like to do? The littlest things I tell them, what do you like to do? What's going to bring you joy? The biggest thing is having joy. Happiness is an illusion because when something doesn't go wrong, I mean, go right, you're no longer happy. You have to find joy. So I try to tell women, find the joy in your life outside of your children. Even if you don't have kids, find the joy in your life that if it was here today and gone tomorrow, at least you have a great moment and memory of it. And that's what they tell me. They, they'll come back to me and be like, you know what? I, I did something I've never done before. And I'm like, that's wonderful. You know, because you have to really, you have to get in a space of thinking in this moment, what can bring me joy? Yeah. As a mother, as a woman, what can bring me joy? What did you find for yourself when you asked that question of yourself? So what did you do? So for me, it's honestly, it's, you know, a lot of people are into this now, but it's journaling. Mm-hmm. So, I With me. You're almost there. You're, you're breaking up just a little bit. I, as we wait for Melissa to come back on, I believe, Melissa, if you if you can hear me, I believe what you said is you are you are journaling is what you do. And um, I personally, I find that to be, uh, I hear that quite a bit. I'm, I don't know about you guys. Are you, are you back with me there? I had heard that. I think that um, we'll wait for a second. Melissa will be back in a second, guys. And she just got some bad uh, thing. Here she is. She's back. There she is. Um, I think that uh, what I heard her say is that she is journaling on her stuff. And I don't know about you guys that are listening in the audience or not, but I always tell myself I'm going to journal. That's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to write all this stuff down. And then uh -huh. guess what? I never did it. You know what I mean? I never. Uh, there you go. Are you back? Yes. Yes. Yeah, uh, not a problem. So I think I was talking to the audience right while you were saying, I think what I heard you say is that one of the things that brought you joy is journaling. Is that what you said? Yes. So yes. I, and I uh, go ahead. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I, I tried to connect with me the best way possible because I don't have a lot of time to myself. So mm -hmm. for me, I try to just connect to me. Um, and that's one of the best ways for me is journaling. I, I usually journal probably two to three times out of the day. And it's just my thoughts or anything that I come up with. But I get everything out of my head and out of my heart and onto paper. Yeah, I think that that's great. Now, have you written a book or not? 
I haven't. I need to. <laughs> you need to do that. You need to do that. I cannot tell you because I'm in the middle of mine right now. Yes. And, um, you know, you probably already have a leg up being in, in, in the radio and then you journal and stuff like that. That's why I have Abigail because she kind of this is how we do. We meet like this and we go over my stories and she kind of puts them down on paper for me, you know, after we talk about it. So it's great. But you've got something here that should be told. Um, and, you know, that you only you can tell your story. And yes. being being a young, uh, you know, you're you, the young millennial that you are, that, that there's <laughs> different mindsets and different things that happen. And that journaling, I was just telling the audience, too, when you we we're waiting for you that. This is something I always tell myself I'm going to do, and then I just don't have enough discipline to do it. And you know, I'm, I'm in nothing but a discipline thing, teaching martial arts, and I cannot discipline myself to take a pen out and journal stuff down. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just don't, I don't know why. I just don't do it. But here's the thing, right? At least you still have something in writing. If the reason I did the book, the reason I did podcasting was just to have something that my kids can look back on when I'm not here and say, this is how my dad was. This was his wow. thoughts. Right. And have something for them to look back on. And my and my great grand great great grandkids that I'll never meet that they get to see this is what my grandfather was, this is what he did. And uh to make that difference. And then I decided I gotta write this book because if I don't do it, if it's not my words, it's never gonna come out. And so I think and I encourage you now that I'm in that process that you need to do that, especially if you journal. And I and certainly so, will. Yeah, I think that that's a, and I think what an awesome name, right? The winning season for a book. Yes. Right? And you got your son's face on that, on the, you know, on the cover. It's, you know, I don't know. It, it's just something yes. that I I would encourage you to to think about and, and, and work towards. And we got plenty of people in the CLA and, and, and stuff around here that can help you if that's something you, you plan to do. But I want to talk about one more thing that you went in, in your process. Uh, you know, you spoke to me yesterday about just having some depression postpartum. I want to know how you did you bring yourself out of that? And how do you encourage other women to deal with that? Um, that part of it? I want to I want to ask you that question. Yes. Yeah, so I didn't know much about postpartum depression. I didn't even know that I was in it because it's not talked about, especially in the Hispanic world. Um the moments that I were, I was crying. And even though it was added on stress from the relationship problems in the pandemic and I wasn't working, um, I didn't, I didn't know what to do with my emotions. I didn't know what to do with me mentally. And it got, it got sad for me. It just, it made me meet me. That I would say that I finally met me. I couldn't hide from me. I couldn't run from me especially having a newborn. I said, okay, well, there's no dodging me anymore. I have to meet me. And when people are around you and calling you sensitive and you cry too much and you shouldn't be crying about that, you start to question yourself. And I'm like, well, maybe there's something really wrong with me. But again, it wasn't until my son was about eight to nine months. And I was just like, I got tired of feeling like this. Like, what is wrong with me? So I started going to therapy. Um, I believe in therapy. I believe in if you can't figure it out, have somebody help figure it out with you. Mm -hmm. And and that's with anything. Um, but really with postpartum, it was more of a sense of, I don't want to be in this forever. I've heard stories of women after I started researching and 
talking to other women, people are like, oh, I had postpartum for three to four years after my child was born. And I said, well, I don't want to be that way. So again, one of the great helps was journaling. That's how I got into journaling. Um, I was always into, I shouldn't say that. I always was into journaling, but I got more in depth with journaling going through postpartum because I just wanted to get everything out. There should be nothing left inside of you at the end of the day. You should always give, get it out. So how did you overcome that? Did you make a decision and say, I, I, I'm over this and I'm just going to move on? Or uh, was it uh, getting tools through counseling uh, that that did it? Uh, no, no. So counsel, uh, therapy was just there for me to just vent, really. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was for me to vent. But it was me intentionally pouring into myself, mentally, physically, spiritually, and emotionally. Uh, physically, I would work out four days out of the week. I would just get me to the point where like, okay, I feel good. I feel good. Like it, it took, it took time. It honestly, it took to my son was almost two recently to be like, I feel, I feel my best now. I feel okay. Um, but it was me being intentional. It was me being deliberate, how I pour into myself. Um, the things that I was watching, the things I was listening to, that became very intentional because a lot of stuff goes into your subconscious. And when you don't have the support, I didn't think I had the support emotionally from the people around me. So when you don't have the support subconsciously, everything goes, goes into you. So instead of saying, okay, I'm going to talk to you today. I'm not going to talk to you today. I avoided people until I felt better. So I'm going to ask you this question too now, because we talked a little bit about this yesterday about, how your mom would would tell you uh, you need to you, you need to suck it up, Buttercup, basically, right? <laughs> yes. Was that, she's totally my people? I'm telling you right now, right? Because I would totally say something like she's talking about, but um, because you know, having this is just me, right? And I, and and I have some children that that have little bits of of depression here and there. And even though I'm this alpha male, right. And I'm just like, you know, whatever, man, you just gonna have to get over it. I don't know what to tell you, man. And I would work out now. I don't know about you, but when I, when I get to get in there and, and hit some iron and I can hear the iron clang. And, uh, sometimes I call it, uh, uh, you know, power lifting and prayer. And as I put on the gospel type music and I listen I and, and, uh, <laughs> and I lift and I, and it's a, a praying and lifting time. And, uh, there have been times too, right? You're kind of, I'm kind of lifting. You got tears in your eyes because I'm so freaking angry, right? And yes. I'm like, this is how I get my emotions out, so I don't kill somebody. Uh, and so, exercise has always been uh, a major part of that for me. It's kind of release. And um, but did did this because I I listened to it because like my here's what my one boy said to me one day. He goes, Dad, this whole uh, you know this this you know, raw, raw thing that you do that doesn't get to me. I'm like, are you, what is wrong with you? Right. I'm like, what is wrong with your mentality, bro? And I said, how can you just need to, I mean, life is going to sock you in the gut every time. Get up, shut your mouth and sock back. Let's go. Did that help you or did that not help you? So. No, for me, it did not help me. I'm just not that person. And that's okay. That is okay. And that's what parents have to realize that who you are is not who your children are. 
Like we're just not that person, <laughs> especially us millennials. We're like in Gen Z. We're like, uh, no, like that works for you. That does not work for me. <laughs> so I'm you to music that's just like, are you gonna be a champion? Are you gonna get up? You gonna get on it? And I'm just like, come on! And uh, he's like, nah, dad. That just ain't. I'm like, oh my goodness, bro. That's why I say to him all the time, you're so millennial. It drives me crazy. Yes. <laughs> And I'll never forget, there was this moment I had just moved in back into my mom's house. My son was about four months old. I moved in back with my mom. And it was um, it was like a nice sunny day. And I was playing gospel music in the morning. That's what I do. I play gospel music in the morning. And as I'm feeding my son, I start crying because I'm listening to the words of the gospel song. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is touching me. My mom comes out. She's like, are you seriously crying again? You're making yourself cry. I was like, no, mom, I'm not making myself cry. This is a beautiful song. You should listen to it. <laughs> and she told me right there and there. She was like, listen, you're not the first. You're not the last. You know, if I could do it, you could do it. And I'm like, okay, great for you. That worked for you. But I'm going to do what's going to, I think that's going to work for me. And you can guide me and help me, but I'm not going to do what you did. Like, we're just two different people. <laughs> but. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, so funny. But I say that to say, you know, a lot of who um, your generation is, my mom's generation, a lot of who you guys are is honestly out of survival mode. And for us, it's like, okay, well, we have these, we have a lot more options now, but we also have, we want to, honestly, us millennials and Gen Z, we want to be more connected to ourselves more than anything. We don't want to be connected to a job that takes away from us. We want to, like, we don't really want to connect to the outside world that takes so much from us and not giving us nothing back. Yeah, that's interesting, interesting that you say that. Um on I, I, I even my oldest boy had have had he now he's watched my mistakes for sure but he's also watched my drive you know what i mean mm -hmm. um you know you're either going to get along you know i'm a, i'm a freight train either get on and take the ride or i'm gonna run you over that's just the way it's going to be and you know i compete that way that's how mm -hmm. i was when i competed that's how i was in business and um you know, on the same time, I have a, you know, I have a huge heart, you know what I mean? I, I'd give the shirt off my back to somebody that needed it. I, that's yeah. just who I am. You know what I mean? It's just kind of who, how I was. So I, I hope that there can be a, you know, I think that's, what's really hard. You know, and when I spoke, when I, when I speak with you and, and, and when I'm listening to how, how do you feel about that? You're like, no, that ain't me. And I'm like, Oh my God. So my son, geez Louise. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, one of my sons is a lot like me, right? You know, he's the he's the young go-getter, you know, gusto and everything else and, you know, driven and being the best salesman he can be. You know what I mean? He's just, uh, you know, he's a, he's a little carbon copy of me. Um, oh. And uh, and so watching, watching, listening to what you say is and that's the other thing is to work with millennials is rough right <laughs> it is like it has tested my leadership 
abilities beyond what I could do. So speaking to somebody in that in the realm, it's it 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 helps me kind of, you know, how do I put myself where they're at? Because right, the the generation, right, the, the millennial generation, um uh has uh you know you're just different. You know, we didn't I didn't have matter of fact we had pagers and that's it. You know, we we didn't have to talk to people all the time. It was awesome. Right. If I didn't want to call you back, I ain't calling you back. And, you know, we were we didn't have all this uh, information at our at our fingertips on our phone and and, and spending the screen time that we do. Um, we had to you know, we had to scratch and, and, and bite and, and talk and, and do things. But there's something to be said to watch these young millennials and watch these young kids know how to navigate um, social media, even for businesses you know, you have to harness what they know and and be able to to use that and to utilize them. Because I'm sure you hear it all the time, right? <sighs> Millennials. That's what <laughs> that's what you hear. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, I I mean, uh, I I I say it. I say it myself. I'm like, uh, like you there has to be emerging like i went and watched my son because you know my one son that does this he's 23 right mm -hmm. and i so i went to work he works at guitar center and i went and work and i went to watch him a little bit at work i wanted to see how he interacts why is he the top sales guy why what does he do and you know most millennials they don't even greet you when you come into a store it drives me crazy Right. Oh, my goodness. And and I can't stand it. And uh, or they like to text message. I said, you you have about I have about three text messages in me. Don't text text me. OK. Yes, I see. And I, I said, but number three, I'm done with you. Pick up the phone and call me on the phone so we can have a discussion. I'm not doing any. I, I'm, I'm over it. And um, so I went and watched him. And uh, he. Every that came in, he's like, hey, how you guys doing? And he would greet them. And he would say, hey, my name's Daniel. And he goes, hey, if he's with a busy, he goes, I know I'm busy right now. I'm not ignoring you. I'll get right with you. Mm -hmm. Validated the person. Perfect sales stuff, right? And and then uh, he would remember people's names. I used to tell my sons all the time, if you can remember somebody's name. If you can say their name three times and you remember it, you're going to have a connection with them. I guarantee it. And I said, I've used this as a teacher for all forever. And then I watched him and he goes and he'll say, you know, OK, Greg, I'm back. How can I help you? And what kind of guitar are you looking for? Are you excited about doing music and asking the questions that he needs to ask? And he just, you know, he was able to uh, connect. And I told him, I said, you'd be able to sell anything in life, son. You, you could sell real estate. You could sell airplanes. Um, you just have that, you, you have a gift. Um, but I don't see that for a lot of millennials. Why do you think that is? I think, oh, I'm not that way that I'm not. I, cause I love, I love connecting with people, but I think a lot for millennials and Gen Z is, you know, you're only going to get out of me what I'm here for. I'm here to serve you and that's it. Like I get paid to serve. I'm not going to do any more than, <laughs> than needed. Um, 
And you see, that's why I say millennials. <laughs> a lot, a lot of them do. They'll, they'll just, you know, you're only going to get from me what is needed out of this six to eight hour day. That's all. <laughs> I'm so not that. When I worked, I tell my kids, I said I will outdo everybody in the room. And yes. I will set new standards. That's just how I'm going to be. Mm -hmm. and either either fall along or get off the ship. I don't know what to tell you. And <laughs> and I hear the same thing. Ah, I don't know, Dad. You know, we're just kind of you know. I'm trying to just get. I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. I can't. I, I don't even know what to say to it, man. I just want to. <laughs> what's it's the one thing, and I, I think this is very true for a lot of millennials and Gen Z, is a lot of their peace, they try to protect it. They, like, if I feel a disturbance in my peace at any given time, I don't want any parts. So if I'm at work and, I, and you're, I'm with a customer, I'm going to deal with one thing at a time. <laughs> Not me personally, but that's why a lot of them are. When I was working in the law firm, a lot of people, the kids in the law firm who were um, millennials, they would be like, okay, I'm working on a project right now and I'll get to that project when I'm, whenever I can. And lawyers are like, no, you got to do it right now. Like we need, this is a timely thing. We guys are like, well, okay, well then I'm not going to do this project. Like it was <laughs> like, you, it's like. If you want A, you're going to get A. If you want B, you're going to get, but you're not going to get A and B in the same time. <laughs> oh, man. This is just it's worth the whole lot. podcast. This is worth the whole podcast right here. It's a lot. This is worth the whole podcast right here. <laughs> this has been super eye-opening for me. You know what I mean? It's, uh, oh, Mark. This was, uh, because I am just what you like. You think that your mom is. I am just that guy. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so it's it's this has been awesome for me to get some other insight. This is how I learn from my guests right here. This kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> but on the same token that, you know, uh, it just shows to prove that whatever generation, because look at the generation even right before me. Right. I remember. Because I, you know, it would be my great grandparents that went through a depression. Mm -hmm. And I mean, recycling, canning, all that kind of stuff was on the forefront of what they did because there is no way they are going to get caught again with that. And I think this pandemic is what's is 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 kind of like what that is today, because even now, right, when they're going to try and shove monkeypox down our throat next. People are like, uh, no, you know, you know, I'm not just no. Or or the forcing of, you know, we I don't want to get into political stuff because I just don't do that. But I remember my son having to get a booster shot or he can't go to college. And I'm like, man, what's the deal with that? I said, you already got vaccinated. You already had it. You already had it. I said, you're already immune because you, you vax. Then you have it. Then the, and, and if you don't do it, you don't get to go to school. I'm like, oh, my gosh, uh, you know, and I see the conformity. I told him, I said, my generation would tell him to stick it where the sun don't shine. I can tell you that mm -hmm. instead of just, uh, you know, dad, it's just it makes it easier. Mm -mm. And so just a difference in 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 as we as we, uh, you know, get older and stuff like that, because it this actually helped me today, you know, listening to you to, to you speak, because uh, we 
see, my oldest boy is going to be 30. So, uh, you know, and he, I don't know, I guess, I, I guess we would, he would be a millennial, huh? Yes. Gonna, you know what? I'm going to call him that today just because we had this phone call. Cause he's not going to like that. I'm not a millennial <laughs> dad. I'm not. I work harder what? than them. <laughs> That's oh. what <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 it's always saying that I work harder than they do, dad. What are you talking about? Stop calling me millennial. And, uh, and I said, well, when you work like I work, then you can call yourself not a millennial. And he goes, I'm not doing that. That's this is a conversation. I watch what you did, dad. I'm going to spend time with my wife. I'm going to spend time on vacation stuff that you never did. And I said, all right, I got to give you that son. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, I gotta give him that. I told Mikey, I said, You're right. I said, I did do all that. I said I was uh I said I I, I did sacrifice a lot of stuff to to work. But this was great, uh, Melissa. I really enjoyed this uh this likewise this, uh, man. It was so so fun to get to know you a little bit more. So I'll let you know. So you're in New Jersey now. I, I think is it New Jersey we're gonna be in and that I have to find out where we're going to be. Um, I'll ask uh, Emilio. Do you know Emilio? Have you met him at all? Yes. He yes. actually met my son. We did a coffee. We um, we had coffee together. Oh, actual coffee. Yeah, we had actual coffee together. And oh. my son was like, just, just loved him. Just was like all over him. Was like, be my friend. <laughs> yeah. That's good. So when I come out, we'll connect. We you know bring your son. We'll 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 absolutely. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll have some coffee and it'll it'll be fun. Um, I'm the Pied Piper with kids. That's my specialty is uh, teaching children, and uh, and I have a real heart for kids. I always have, and um, uh, so we'll we'll uh, I'll get together with you. We'll we'll keep posted and uh, absolutely. Uh, yes, let me know all the tricks for boys. Whatever you know. <laughs> Give me all the tips and tricks. I need them all. <laughs> it's going to I'm going to tell you something. There's nothing like a, a young boy that loves his mom. though. I'm going to tell you that for a fact. It's the oh, weirdest wow. thing, right? My daughter, I, I can't find more love than my daughter has for me, but mm. I'm going to tell you that um, a little boy does love their mom. It, there's yes. some, and luckily for me and my mom is still alive. So my mom and dad are still alive. And God bless so, them. Uh, I get to, uh, my parents were super young. You want to talk about a different generation? They were 18 and 16 when they were married and they're still married today. Bless and them. my dad, my dad still brings mama, uh, flowers and holds hands with her while they watch movies uh, on the couch. That's what I get. Oh to, yeah. So it's, that's just, that's just how they are. You know what I mean? My mom will make sure that she is all dressed up when my dad comes home from, it doesn't, I don't care if he goes out. So my dad, my dad's what, 80, he's 81 now. And, um, you know, he still goes out and does his thing and he carves and, and then mom, that house will always be perfect. And my mom will be dressed to the nines for my dad. Every time he comes home, it's just her generation. It's just what she's always. That is so beautiful. She's so awesome. And so, wow. it's, it's, this has been good. So I look forward to meeting you. So yeah, we'll, we'll have some more chats, man. We'll, we'll get on CLA and we'll do some of these, uh, virtual virtual deals and i'll check in on you and see how you're doing and so here's what yes, happens to your, so you'll be able to share this this is live so it's already on youtube already recorded and uh and then but at the end of day i will um i wrote down one of the ones that kind of glitched 
1703. I'll be able to kind of edit that part of it out. And, uh, and then we'll have a, I have an audio podcast. And once I, um, I drop all this, I'll edit it in the next day or two. It'll be our audio podcast. So you can also share the audio side of it. So when people are driving, they can hear it and, um, it'll be on my website and they can reach out to you and, and go from there. Sound good. Yes. Thank you so much. Yeah. Okay. I have to up my game now. I got to learn about the editing and all that. I should yeah. post. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'd, if I can write the numbers down, you know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. uh, that's, you know, that's funny. That's what my one son does. He's a, a sound engineer. That's what he kind of went to school for. And he's the one that kind of helps me get along. He's the one that tells me all the time, Dad, I'm not into the rah-rah thing like you are. I'm like, whatever, bro. I said, <laughs> I, I but he's, he's sharp as a tack when it comes uh, uh, with this stuff. So, we'll, yeah, we'll get this thing edited out. And then I don't know if you have your, your podcast or if you have something like that. I'll make sure that anything else you want added to that bio where they can uh, just send that to me direct message or email me and I will make sure I add everything in. It'll be on my, I don't know if you've been to my uh, website yet. It's called markcox.com. Yes. And um, you, it'll be, you'll be up there and you're forever. And then whatever else you want me to put out there, I'll, I'll make sure that I, I take care of you. And you, so people can you get directed there. Sound good. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much, Mark. I appreciate this. And I enjoyed the conversation and the connection. It's, it was so much needed. Thank yeah, you so good. much. You're welcome. So proud of you, man. Keep it up. And uh, thank and you're gonna, you. You got some fun years ahead of you. Trust me. You, I look forward you know. to them. I just turned 35 last week. So I'm like, I'm ready. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I was, I told all my kids, I said, I don't even think I, I, I was such a knothead all the way up until 26 years old. I was always working and stuff like that, but I just didn't have my, my stuff together until I was a little bit older, but uh, you, you're, you're ahead of the game. So you're going to be good to go. Thank you All so right. much. I appreciate right. it guys. Yes, ma'am. Melissa. Appreciate it, man. Have an awesome day. Okay. You too. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to real talk with Mark Cox, real life, real topics, real conversation. We're passionate about motivation, fitness, self-defense, weight loss, and coming at it from a real angle. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. And we hope you had fun. We know we did. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit us up on Instagram and Facebook at MarkCox100. Make sure to subscribe and review. And tell a friend or two about the show. For more, hit up the website at MarkCox.com. Till next time, keep it real.